I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast, formerly known as the Awaken My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Susie Taff is the CEO and founder of Scanties, anti-shapewear, dedicated to empowering women to embrace their natural form, reject unnatural beauty standards, and celebrate their unique and beautiful bodies. Scanty's undergarments integrate the comfort of yoga pants, the silkiness of nylon, and the breathability and hygienic use of cotton underwear that circumvent panty lines, thigh chafing, and muffin tops. Susie is at the forefront of the anti-shapewear movement, which rejects prolonged body compression and the use of non-breathable synthetic materials that have harmful effects. With her decade experience working as an engineer and having designed and manufactured her own maternity clothing brand, Susie successfully launched Scanties in the Australian market in 2019 as a single mother of three young children. Having launched Scanties in the U.S. market in 2023, Susie continues to expand this global movement, remaining dedicated to helping women reclaim their feminine power through fashion and to empower people to love themselves from the inside out. Scanties has been seen in Grazia, the NYC Journal, New York Weekly, and much, much more. So please welcome to the show, Susie Tapp. Thank you, McKinney. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your journey with us and let us know all about the wonderful things that you've been up to, but also how you've been able to get there. I just truly appreciate when women like yourself, you know, we know that you're busy building a business and being a mom and doing all these things, but I love when you're able to come on and just share the depth of your story, because I feel like, you know, with the internet, people see 
your lives on social media and those things and feel like all those successes and things are unattainable for them. So I love when you ladies come on and just share how you've worked through your adversities and the things that you've been able to get through so that other women that are listening can realize we are all pretty much the same. We all have our struggles, but we keep pushing forward. Oh, thank you. I'm so passionate about all of these topics. So I could talk to my blue in the face. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So before we get to where you are presently, I love to start at the very beginning. I love to ask about your childhood because I feel like before society started to shape us or our parents started to um, impact us with their belief systems, you know, as kids, we had these vivid imaginations of who we wanted to be, what we wanted to do before all the limitations. So I would love to know, you know, who did Susie want to be when she was a little girl? You know, it's really funny because I always wanted to be a mom just from whenever I can remember. And I remember I went and I was actually quite academic and I remember my school uh, was kind of, well, no, 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 you're not going to be a stay-at-home mum. I'm like, yeah, I am going to be a stay-at-home <laughs> And I ended up going on to be an engineer and and the school kept coming back, come in and uh, inspire the women of the school to go and be engineers. It's like, no, I want to be a mum. <laughs> so as And it's really interesting because from as far back as I can remember, it was just a motivation to, and I didn't have kids until I was tw- 28 was when I had my first, but it was, it was such a driver of my core being. It was like, I was put on this earth this time and I had to get the kids first. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't really, I suppose, until after I had my kids that I realized actually I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> I had the kids. <laughs> and I was like, actually, that's not fulfilling me enough. And then I started sort of questioning and yeah, so probably it was after three kids. I had them quite quickly too. So they were all under three in a bit years. And I was like, oh, actually, I actually don't want to do that now. <laughs> it was so funny. That was my driver. Kids, kids, wow. kids was always my motivation. Wow. Well, that that is beautiful. And I, I can see, you know, as a mom myself with three kids who are now, you know, all pretty much adults like that used to be my focus as well. My kids used to be my why. And then there came a point where I was like, okay, these are other humans that have a mind of their own (laughs) and I need something greater to do that isn't just being a mom. And there's nothing wrong with just being a mom either. Um, So I get it, totally, completely get it. So, okay, share with us your journey of how you got to where you are presently, including the business, the kids, all that stuff. Give us, I guess, a, a quick, um, the, the quick version of your quick story. Version. That's actually quite funny because there, it, it's, I can give you a super quick version, but it zigzags everywhere. <laughs> so as I mentioned, I was, a, I did engineering at uni and I was then working in um, electrolytic waste metal recovery, which I can promise you it's not very exciting. So <laughs> I was like, how do I get out of this? So I pressed the boggle button on that and jumped into a finance master's. And I was thinking, I love finance. I love money. I love that sort of thing. I thought I could do that but with an engineering twist. But then in my last subject, we did an international business subject, which jumped me, propelled me into creating a maternity clothing manufacturing and wholesaling business with my sister. So wow. two, 20, two 24-year-old girls designing maternity clothing, have never been pregnant, (laughs) Um, which is completely out there. And we learned so much and it was amazing. And then the GFC hit and then another another career pivot and I ended up back in engineering 
doing gas compressor station construction in oh, wow. far western Australia. So like in the middle of nowhere, like we you couldn't like we had to get private planes in there and our own trucks, our own logistics, everything, oh. which which was actually quite similar to maternity manufacturing in China, <laughs> really. <laughs> Um, and then I got married, had the three kids, then got divorced. And the divorce sort of propelled me into the big life questions, which I'm sure we'll dig in deeper after this, mm-hmm. but um, the questioning of what is it all about. Um, and that led me to um, start my business, Scanties, with a product that I designed for myself um, in 2008. So years and years and years before that, purely out of necessity, I wanted something that made me feel good, that solved thigh chafing, didn't give me a muffin top, was super thin and flexible, felt like I was wearing nothing. So, and I didn't realize other people needed it until a few girlfriends sort of opened up and like, well, how are you wearing that so comfortably and and and, and gliding along with your thighs not rubbing? And I was like, well, I wear these. And that was when I realized, oh, these have a commercial viability because um, I suppose thigh chafing is sort of such a shameful topic. And I think we're getting so much better about talking about things like that. But mm-hmm. you don't, we don't, back in 2008, we weren't really discussing it. There wasn't body positive influences, like talking about cellulite and um, like thigh chafing and thing, is it making it normal? Yes. And so I hadn't realised, actually, other women get this problem. I was just sitting in my shame all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so then that's when I realised the commercial viability. And along with the questioning of what is life about, I thought, well, this is a product that actually helps women feel good in their bodies and feel good about themselves. So if I was to be putting my energy into this as opposed to an, being an engineer, which you can do, but it doesn't make your heart sing. <laughs> some people it might, some people it really might, but high-vis <laughs> is not, orange is not my colour. <laughs> um, so for me, the business was the, a great start in the direction of helping other people feel good, so a real mm-hmm. service-based purpose. Um, but also, um, and I didn't realise how much at the time, but all of the content creation and things that goes along with the business is all, um, it It gives me my passion for fashion, which I love style and fashion. So all of that content creativity in, it is brought out as well. So it was just ticking a lot of boxes, although that was uh, that was 2015 now. So it hasn't been an easy journey to get here, but the spark the of passion was correct. Wow. Okay. So there's so much there that you said that I want to unpack. So let's start with, I mean, you said when you were younger and you always wanted to be a mother. Before you even had kids, you started a maternity line. You know, that's where your heart led you, right? <laughs> That's where your heartstrings were pulling you to. Then you get married, you have kids, and then you get divorced. So let's start with the creating the uh, scanties because I feel like a lot of successful businesswomen start with, if it's a product, it's something that they needed for themselves, something they needed for themselves that they didn't see in the marketplace. And if we all stay quiet and we don't share our stories, we don't share our struggles, we wouldn't know or have the awareness that other people are struggling with this thing, that there's something that can be produced to help a lot of people. And at the same time, obviously, it allows you to create income off of it. Um, and if someone is in a service-based business, I find that it's typically you know providing a service that they didn't have when they needed, right? It's always about fulfilling 
a need that we have. So I would love if you could share for the women listening, I guess your thought process, even from, you know, creating it for yourself and realizing that other people needed it. And even the courage and vulnerability that that takes to even go out there and now talk about these things. Definitely. So back, it was 2008 and I was just getting out of the maternity business is what was happening. And so really it's quite interesting because you can see how all roads lead to all the different pathways lead led to that particular moment because I had the skill set. And also I think the way that they teach you um, in engineering at uni it's always um, problem solving. Everything is like, we've got this issue. What can we do to it to create a solution out the back end? And it is, it's a framework of thought. So I suppose then I had naturally applied that framework to maternity clothing. It was like, how can we adapt this so that it can do X, Y, Z? Like we need, uh, we need this garment, but we need it to grow here and grow there. And what like clever adaptions, what fastenings can we do? What buckles, what elastic type um, can we do? So I think when it came to creating scanties, I had all of that experience in, well, that doesn't exist, but I want this functionality. So I wanted, I, I hate it when the elastic cuts in at the top of the waistband and then you get the muffin top. Yeah. It doesn't, and for me, it's all about the dialogue things create as well. If you have that muffin top from the elastic, the, the self-talk is not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So everything has like a mental component as well. It's like how do we get the chatter to be positive? Yes. Um, and so I was like, well, what do you wear all the time? Yoga waistbands. Like they were big in the early 2000s. Remember when the yoga pants came out? Yeah. And, <laughs> and you were like, well, why do we like to wear them nonstop? So it was sort of like just digging into each specific um, area. So yoga pants we wear and because – the structural engineering um, explanation for why they're so comfortable is because they actually displace the pressure of the waistband over a larger surface area. So mm. instead of it digging in and the and the skin spilling over the top, it's graduated down. So that's why you get a smooth line, but whilst it feels comfortable. So there's the actual like <laughs> engineering <laughs> behind it. <laughs> so just picking apart things like that. Um, and then I wanted lots of the... Um, other like they call what I call it is you know how stockings are sort of all knitted in one piece yes lots of the other options are all knitted in one piece so that's what causes the rolling up in the legs and and think like you don't want things to be annoying so I was like well I used to wear bike pants all the time at through school etc I thought well bike pants don't roll up so what is different about them and it's the because they have a seam structurally sewn it's like a mini waistband so it's like just incorporating and then it was um but we can't have cotton on the outside because cotton clings on cotton. Um, whereas, but we want cotton in the like in the underwear area because we want it to be breathable because lots of women are susceptible to infection down there if they have any synthetic. So I was like, well, I'm just going to cut out a hole there and mash that and that's going to be cotton, but the rest of it's going to be like super soft and silky. Um, so, and I suppose it might be the way my brain thinks. It's like, People probably would normally say, well, that's not how the structural, that's not how you do that. It's like, well, I was like, I don't care how you do it. <laughs> I'm just going to do it, yes. which I did. And I suppose that was the same with all those years for maternity clothing. It was all like, well, yeah, that is what, that is what it look, needs to look like, but it needs to do X, Y, Z. So I think it was I had years and years of training like that. 
But that doesn't mean I don't think that I think people can still do these things. Mm-hmm. And if their brains don't um don't think that way, if they have an idea, there's so many people out there that oh hit me up. <laughs> I I love it's one of my all-time favorite things is people come to me with ideas and I love to like just shoot and workshop with them. Okay, how could we do that? Yeah. Um, and I think there's people, there's specific people that have a brain like that. So just find your friend that is that workshopper. They'll come, they'll give, they'll probably figure it out in about 15 <laughs> minutes and then they'll send you off on your way with a little to-do list. <laughs> but what I love about what you explain about that, like even in coming up with the product, obviously on the backside throughout what you're dealing with in your personal world, like was that around the same time that you were going through the divorce? Was it after you created the product? Um, let's speak to, cause there are so many women that are listening that, maybe are entrepreneurs and they are afraid of pursuing a divorce because they feel like they can't manage the kids and the business and all those things on their own. Or maybe there's someone who's going through it right now that needs those, uh, you know, reassuring words or words of advice. What was your process like? Okay. So the product I'd already created so that I just hadn't thought about the commercial viability. So it was more thinking, oh, I could make this into a business that would fulfill me and, and help others. But my biggest thing I did in my divorce, I think literally the day after I got divorced, I got an au pair. So I had an au pair, she was American actually. um, And I had her for the first year. And I remember a counselor saying to me when I was going through it, that's when I had my spiritual awakening. Um, in the lead up to the divorce. So there was about 12 months of um, where I knew it had changed and I was headed down that path. Um, And she said, what's your biggest fear? And I said, "Uh, well, I'm going to have to do it all by myself. And she said, but you already are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, oh. And she's like, and then you'll probably have every other weekend off. And as a single mom, you probably get a bit more support and help. So she, she said, you're actually going to be better off than you are when you're in it, doing it 24-7, nonstop. Anyway, when I got my au pair, it was like the heavens opened and I was like, oh, my God, I have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, and so you've got two women running a household now. And right. Absolutely. So- <laughs> Okay, Amazing. so question for you, for the the American Canadian listeners who are not in Australia, because I know that there's some terms in Australia, because my business partner is Australian, there's some terms in Australia that um, need to be translated on this end. So I'm just going to assume when you say oh pair, you mean like um, like a nanny, right? Yeah, but they're travelers, so so you don't pay them nanny rates. They live with you, and they um, so. And they usually exchange so many hours a week for so much pocket pocket money, it's called. And right. there's a special visa for it in Australia um, so that they can come over here and work. I think America has it. I have looked, I have looked it up as well. Yeah, they have like live-in nannies and, and things like that here, yes. And they're usually on a, a travelling visa and you can have them for I think 12 months is the max or six months to 12 months. Um, and they come from all over the world, uh, but they're a very affordable version of childcare because um, another thing I didn't mention was when I got divorced, six months later, my ex-husband went bankrupt. Oh. So I had the rug really ripped out under my feet, so I really understand. Like I had to move house into the cheapest rental I could find. I had to, like everything got pared back. 
Like, I don't even think we could afford meat. <laughs> like, wow. we were really on the biggest budget. But I knew, and I think I paid my au pair at the time about $250 a week. But that $250 a week meant I could work. So if I can um, earn enough money that, like, I factored in her wages with me working, right. and there is also arrangements later on down the track, um, I got, you can get au pairs where they're just a part-time au pair. So it's, you don't pay them anything. It's literally just the food and the board. So I always made sure I rented a house that could facilitate me having an au pair because I knew I needed the help in order to get where I wanted to go. And right. I suppose that for one of my passions too is empowering women that are in those situations because um, a lot of women I, I find can sometimes slip into a little bit of the victim and the martyr mode where the poor me, he did X, Y, Z, the poor me, I'm left to do all of this work. And I really love to empower them and say, actually, it's like you're free to choose whatever you want. Like you are yeah. free to get whatever help you want. Yeah. You're free to eat whatever you want, <laughs> watch whatever you want. You And actually really try to instill in them that actually you have freedom to choose whatever. You're not a victim, you're, that you don't need to martyr yourself for your kids. And yeah. I think the best thing that happened to my kids was having all these different personalities coming into the house from all over the world. I think it's so important that we instill that we are not the centre of our children's universe. Like we are there and they are tethered to us. But introducing so many different personalities and cultures and I think is so brilliant for their development yeah. that, um, we, yeah, I am so passionate about women getting themselves some help <laughs> in whatever form. And maybe it's not an au pair. Maybe it's um, other ideas I've given friends is to maybe share afternoons. If you work one afternoon and a friend doesn't, then they take the kids that day you take the kids on the day, you don't work. And there's there's ways that you can do it. But let's get that community around us again because that's the number one thing I will say. Women, get yourself some help. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I love that advice for so many reasons because I feel like we've been so conditioned to not ask for help and to try to do it all. Um, but your example, you, you know, your story is an example that it doesn't have to be done a traditional way or the way that we may think it has to be done. Um, you know, to your point, there are a lot of women who are married that are doing it on their own anyway. They're not getting the help. And I think whether you exchange resources or value with family or friends, whether you hire help for, you know, taking care of the kids, doing the laundry, groceries, whether you outsource and delegate, whatever you can, uh, whatever you can even afford to maintain your sanity and whatever works best for your healing journey. So I'm, I love that you share that. Yeah. I'm really <laughs> passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, okay. With having a business going through divorce, you now have help with the kids at the end of the day, you know, there's still that quote unquote title of being a single mother. And I know for a lot of women, and I know I did that in the very beginning when I was going through my divorce and as a single mom, it's almost like we use that as a crutch uh, to say, you know, I can't do this because I'm a single mom or what, ha what have you. Like, what advice would you give to the single mom that are listening right now, aside from getting help? Hmm. Let me think. Uh, I've actually <laughs> been a single mom now for eight years. So I think when I, and my kids are bigger now. So when I'm 
first got divorced, they were five, three, and one, which when I look, I look back on photos and I'm like, oh my God, they were babies. And yeah. in truth, I think um, in hindsight, I actually go, oh my God, I don't even know how I survived. <laughs> I really don't. Um, I think as single mums, we really need to find um, our little glimmers of gratitude. Like, because I've been through some pretty dark times and I always laugh about I have a stool in the kitchen. That's my crying stool. <laughs> and it's one, it's one of the little tiny kid ones and I will sit on that and often cry and, and mm-hmm. the kids are quite used to it. But it's just letting the emotions, because it is overwhelming, you don't have people to, um, you don't have people like someone, you don't really have someone in your court. You're It's yeah. you, you're on. And whilst their dad does have them, um, like in shared custody, still the mental load comes onto the women all the time. Like what, like, I just think it's the way we're programmed. And so you will, no matter what your custody arrangements are, a lot of the parenting will fall on you. I think it's because we have the empathetic nature and the caring nature and, um, well, this is in my situation. So I think definitely having your other single mum girlfriends around you is so important because they get it mm-hmm. so to get that like to soundboard things with them to even like vent some frustrations with them because they really get what it is to be 24 7 like on your own and and it it's actually tough it yeah. is hard so sending love to all the single mums out there <laughs> and I see you and <laughs> it is it's tough and sending you love and you're doing a great job <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I agree with you a thousand percent. I I just want to reiterate for those that are listening, like the importance of community, Um, you know, community and and having a healthy community, a supportive community is like one of the pillars of resilience. And like you said, it's, it's tough. (laughs) It is so tough. And your kids were super small when you were going through your divorce. Like when I was going through mine, my kids were four, nine and 12. And I still look back and like, I don't know how I got through that but we did. right? <laughs> so that, that community is such a important piece there because it, as much as we may feel like we're alone in our situations, when you have that community of support and understanding and like-minded people, you know, that sounding board, that social proof where you realize you're not alone, you're not by yourself, you know, what you're going through, you're not the only one on the planet going through it. So it, it helps reduce that poor me mentality, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think also you need to have your magic toolbox, I call it, which is your magic toolbox of when you're having a rough day, A, be kind to yourself. Like what you are doing is actually tremendously tough and it's not supposed to be done by one person. Like Mm -hmm. we are supposed to not only have partners, we're supposed to have a village around us. So we need to supplement with things. So for me, instantly music, like have your playlist, have your, have your, I need to be picked up playlist ready to go. And you put it on loud and full ball, or or it might be your classical music play, whatever it is that make, that can bring you out. And you just Mm -hmm. have to do on those bad times, go through the, so for me, music, bath, I hop in the water and instantly I, I play a little game, close your eyes and you could be in any bath in the whole world. So you can be in like the penthouse in the most exclusive hotel. Like if you're in the bath there and you close your eyes, it would feel exactly the same. So I use the bath as a little tiny. You could, if you're a shower person, you could do the same thing. A shower feels the same no matter where you are. So yes. I do a little time traveling. I <laughs> um, love that. 
Yeah, it's fantastic because you do just close your eyes and picture wherever you want to be and it would feel like that. It's just, I love it. As as a mindset coach, I love that because we do a lot of visualization uh, practices, things to help people visualize what they would love their life to look like, closing their eyes and envisioning, creating that picture of their life for themselves. So doing that in the bath or the shower and visualizing being in different spaces, countries, like I absolutely love that. Yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, your your baths and listening to music sound like two of your self-care routines. What are some other things that are part of your self-care routine? Oh, I, well, I'm actually doing a real big drive on sleep at the moment. <laughs> we all know sleep is so important. So I have, I, and I know how much better I am when I've had decent sleep and I'm a terrible sleeper so I have been like really pro- like to the point of no blue blue light for certain times reading books only um before bed um no caffeine after 12 or like trying to tick all the boxes for sleep yeah. because I think and even my friends if they're having a bad day I'm just like go to sleep yes <laughs> go to sleep and then let's let's put I, I love to do that too is also I call it putting it on the shelf so there's stuff and like if you don't want to look at it right now just put it on the shelf and that's actually one tip for anyone going through money struggles when I was in the really bad parts of where as I said I couldn't like grow I couldn't I was moving $2.67 from one account to go to that account to pay that $5 for what it do you know what I mean like it was tough and I love mindset as well and I was like I can't sit in this lap day in day out so what I used to do was I would, yeah, put it on the shelf. I'm just like, I'm going to live. And because you can't create and live in abundance if you're constantly thinking about lack. So Absolutely. I do yeah, put it on the shelf and then every, however often I had to, I used to do it once a month. I would bring it down off the shelf and I would sit and I would roll it <laughs> and I'd work it all out and how are we surviving for another month? Or I'd do it whenever the paycheck came in. I would like how working it out and then I'll go back on the shelf for you and then off I go about with my positive creation and abundance and I can do this and it can bring it down and so I just that is for me a, a, a was a huge part of getting through that because I just uh, and the same also with maybe like anyone going through irritations with ex-husbands or something like that again I have to put them on the shelf Yes. And then occasionally <laughs> I'll bring it down and, uh, and he might get a sternly worded email. <laughs> and then after the shelf, it goes back again. So yes. I, I, I love the shelf. <laughs> I love that. Uh, like, okay, I want to unpack both of those things that you said there. One, sleep. I think, you know, especially again, if you're a mom and you're, um, you know, building a business and you're doing all these things, there's only so many hours in a day. We can't create more hours in a day. And I feel like oftentimes we're trying to cram everything. And I hear this often through my clients where they're like, I have so many things to do. Everything's important. So is sleep. You know, when you're not getting enough sleep, you're not functioning. Your body is like not okay. And it will show the signs of it. They say like someone who is extremely tired is almost just as bad as someone who is like intoxicated or drunk, like especially driving like that. Like it affects your vision. It affects your mood. It affects so much. and I had to learn through my healing journey the importance of sleep and how it's like self-harm not getting enough sleep you know we we can't take care of the world and not be taking care of ourselves 
And then two, your point about putting on the shelf, I love, love, love (laughs) Uh, for many reasons. One, I love it because again, as a coach, we're not trying to get people to, what's the word? I'm not trying to push toxic positivity and get people to only think about the positive and only focus on the light because the dark does exist. But what we focus on grows. And if we are sitting in this state of constantly thinking about the debt, the lack, all of the negative things, we continue to attract more of that. But when you put those things on the shelf, it allows you to focus on the growth, on the thriving, on the abundance, all of those things. And then you can take it down to deal with what you can, what you have the capacity for, and put it back on the shelf. And the, the putting the, the ex-husband on the shelf, I have been doing that since 2009. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thank you. Because <laughs> I, I used to think, okay, well, you know, maybe it's just my zero tolerance policy that I've grown into where I'm just like, yeah, I'm not dealing with you right now. That's me putting him on the shelf. (laughs) But for my own sanity, my own mental health, my own healing, it's required in order for us to keep moving. I feel like I hear so many stories of women who are going through a divorce or dealing with their exes and the constant stress that they are under. And it's like every conversation is a complaint about the ex, but they're giving that so much energy, so much power. Put them on the shelf. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We can look at it like once a month and then it goes back. Yes. I've even got actually a friend I recommended because she was getting a stream of messages from her ex-husband. And what we did, it was on WhatsApp. So what we did was we put him in archive. Yes. (laughs) So it's the same thing. She can now, instead of him interrupting her day, she chooses when she goes in to see what uh, uh, like barrage of harassment she's received (laughs) but she is in control then of when she receives it so mute them archive them put them on the shelf do whatever you can to protect your own space and bubble and it's like you know what you're going to get going for when you go into it but that's okay because you're in control of when you receive it absolutely I love that as a a self-care tip for the women that are listening because like you said, when you're bombarded with negative messages, especially if you're connected to this person who's like the father of your children or whoever that you have to deal with, you don't have to deal with them when they choose to offload on you, when they choose to emotionally dump on you, putting them on do not disturb, putting them on mute, putting them in the archives allows you to control when instead of you having a great day and then a message from them comes in and there goes your entire day. So I think that's a great tip for those who are listening um, to take away from this part of the conversation for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So I would love to know what is one thing that you forgive yourself for? Cause I feel like as women, you know, we're naturally hard on ourselves. Um, but when you have, been through so much, you've worn so many hats, you're, you know, you've been the wife, you've been the mom, you're the entrepreneur, the CEO, all of these things. Obviously, things happen that we may wish have happened differently. And in order to give ourselves grace, we need to forgive ourselves for those things. So what is one thing that you forgive yourself for? Oh, that's, well, I would have to say probably I got a little bit wild when I first became a single mom (laughs) and I did a lot of partying, which probably wasn't to my highest good. (laughs) But And so I often do go back um, and I do the, you love visualisation, I do the visualisation of me going back and hugging that version of myself 
And so there's been a lot of bugs. <laughs> been, and even actually, do you know what I find really interesting is when I think back to times maybe when I was crying on my kitchen floor or I do a lot of crying, which is fine. It's great. I love it. Um, but I can nearly feel a presence with me. I can nearly feel a it's going to be okay kind of presence. And I think it's me now visiting her then. So Mm. I'm very spiritual and I love there is no time. You can visit yourself whenever you like. And and another one of my favourite mindset things at the moment is visiting my 80-year-old self. And, like, what is her advice? What is her wisdom? What does she have to say about whatever it is? And so I think my 80-year-old self has, has visited and been with me through every single time as well. Like I think especially like if you feel like you're alone, just imagine your 80-year-old self and what would she say to you and what would how would she be comforting you? And like she has so much love for you at every part. Mm-hmm. Even if you think back to you like a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, and we're so hard on ourselves and we um, just, just, you just want to get, yeah, it's just everything about the hug. It's just, just, just hug that version of you. And I, I, I can, it, when I look back, I can feel the, the energy was there. I love it. I love, and I love that you envision the older version of yourself. So I would love to know what advice would you give your future self? Oh, she's smarter than me. <laughs> I mean, you know, people typically ask, what advice would you give your younger self? But I I know from my own kids, because they teach me lessons on a daily basis. Um, So when I think about, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily age or maturity. We have things that we can teach each other. So if you were thinking of the older version of you, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, okay. This one does require thought. (laughs) I find this one really tricky. I just want to say we rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I okay. really want to give her gratitude, actually. I want to give her gratitude to the older version of me, maybe for being there with me the whole time. I don't know mm-hmm. if I've got any advice for her, though. I just think thank I thank you. Thank you, gratitude. Okay, okay. And earlier when you were speaking to you know what you would forgive yourself for and you talked about when you're going through the divorce and you partied a lot I feel like we are harder on ourselves than we need to be because you know you're you're grieving you're going through a process and you're trying to find joy you're trying to find you know the things that make you feel good I too partied very hard (laughs) um, going through my divorce and my kids you know just this week were looking through old pictures and they were like mom like a lot of these pictures you're holding a disposable cup in your hand or a (laughs) bottle of something (laughs) what are you going through and me who can barely handle a glass of wine now I look back and it's like I was trying to find joy I was trying to numb the hurt I was processing my grief so I guess even when I think about you know when I asked you that question it's like you know you needing to forgive yourself for being hard on 
you, you know, going through that divorce. Like you were allowed to party. You needed that. Your soul needed that. That was a season in your life where, you know, those things helped you get through what you were going through. That's so interesting that you just use that language because as you can see in my response, I'm actually still not forgiving. I'm actually thinking I need forgiveness for that as opposed to just like the words that you just use, the hurt. You can actually now in hindsight, you can clearly, you can nearly palpably feel the hurt that you're trying to mask with all those things. And I suppose, Yeah. yeah, the forgiveness for, forgiveness for thinking that I shouldn't be hurt, I suppose, mm-hmm. is a massive one. And even obviously I haven't I haven't even reconciled with it yet because look at I was trying to forgive myself for partying as opposed to forgiving myself for not realizing I deserved to yeah. be hurt. Yes. Absolutely. You you deserve to feel joy. You deserve, you know, all of that. I honestly I feel like when I was going through my divorce, not only was I grieving the loss of that relationship. I was grieving the loss of what I thought my life was going to be like. I was grieving the life I thought I was going to be able to provide for my kids. I was grieving friendships. There was so much grief. And in the partying, it allowed me pockets of joy so that I could get to the next or get through the next phase of grief. So I I think you know, especially for yourself and the women that are listening, you know, sometimes we're hard on ourselves for seasons in our life, not realizing that we needed those seasons to get through it. You know, we talk about how we go through childhood traumas and trauma responses. And it's like the things that we did in that time to get through it, or that helped us survive it. Yes, they may not be, um, you know, helpful to us now, but we needed it then to get through and to be able to be who we are today. Oh, I, yes. And you, yeah, I clearly see that <laughs> now, but yeah, it's interesting to have it. So, yes. 100%. We're just surviving. Right. We're just surviving. And to all the women out there that are just surviving right now as well, like you're doing a great job yeah. and sending you all the love in the world. Absolutely. I, I think this podcast and therapy has helped me to reframe a lot of the perceptions that I had around the behaviors that we do or how we act when we're hurting, you know, our body, our nervous system is in fight or flight mode. You know, we're, we're just trying to survive. We're not thinking about thriving. We're not thinking about, you know, the solutions. It's we are just trying to stay alive. So I think we need to give ourselves grace for those seasons um, and not be so hard on ourselves. Yes. I, and yeah. we're also trying to keep little humans alive as well. Yeah. And get them <laughs> yeah. oh my God. I don't know. I'm, sometimes I'm surprised I managed to do that because I killed all my plants. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm terrible with plants too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell the listeners where they can stay connected with you, where they can learn more about Scanties, where they can um, purchase as well. So we're on, come join us on Instagram. We love Instagram. We love to give uplifting messages. It's all about female empowering and empowerment and, um, and loving yourself and accepting yourself where you're at and so at Scanties is our um, handle, S-K-A-N-T-I-E-S. And then scanties.co is our website. 
Um, if you're on LinkedIn, look me up, Susie Taff. I love to talk to you over there. I I just connect, please, because we're all about, um, it's not just about the product, it's about um, empowering women to live their best lives and mm-hmm. and to really feel that inner self-worth and love. Awesome. Awesome. So I will have all of the links where they can connect with you in the detailed section below the episode so they don't have to search too far. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Makini. No problem. So for the final segment of the show, it's kind of like a rapid fire. Uh, You can answer one word or one sentence, but I also don't like to box people in. That makes me claustrophobic. So if you feel the need (laughs) to expand, you're more than welcome to do so. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. First question. When was the last time you cried? Uh, yesterday. <laughs> okay. Um, what would you say is your superpower? Oh, um, I actually think my superpower is my intuition. Awesome. Okay. When was the last time you apologized to someone else? Oh, 400 times yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what's the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do at night? Sadly, I check my phone to see what time it is and how much sleep I've had (laughs) and then coffee. And the last thing I do at night is usually put on a YouTube, something motivational to go to sleep to. Okay. Um, when and where are you the happiest? Oh, the beach, Noosa in Queensland is my favorite place in the world. (laughs) Okay. Um, if you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would that be? You have to love yourself. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. And last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Love themselves. <laughs> <laughs> not sure how we're going to police that law, but <laughs> definitely love yourself. <laughs> That is the perfect answer. Honestly, that is what this whole entire show and platform is about to, you know, help us all to learn how to love ourselves just a little bit more. So thank you, Susie, for sharing your story and your journey. And I appreciate your time and your wisdom and all of the gems that you gave today, because I know that you gave some amazing gems. I hope those that were listening took notes. And if they didn't, they need to go back and listen again and take some notes. (laughs) Thank you so much, Katie And girls, you, you've got this. You're stronger than you think you are. Amen to that. Absolutely. And to all of you healers out there, until next time, rate the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We want to hear what part of the show resonated with you most. We want to hear what part of Susie's journey touched you. Feel free to leave us a review and share your thoughts. I want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular podcasts out there. And there are over 3 million. So I am so, so grateful. (laughs) If you can think of, I'm going to challenge you. If you can think of two friends that would receive value from hearing today's episode, please share it with them. Feel free to even screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Susie at Scanties, S-K-A-N-T-I-E-S. You can tag myself at The Real Bikini Smith. A healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her.